The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. I'm Madison Taylor, and this is our look at the women's game from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. Joining me this week, we have former Coventry United manager and current interim manager at Burnley, Jay Bradford. Hiya, Jay. Hiya. You're all right. How have you been? Yeah, I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Uh, also joining us back for a second appearance is author and podcaster Abdullah Abdullah. Hi, Abdullah. Hey, how's it going? Oh, good. Thank you. And finally, making her debut, we have the Her Game 2 ambassador for Aston Villa. It's Sarah Breslin. Hiya. How are you? Hiya, Sarah. I'm good. How are you? Good, yeah, very good. A little hoarse today after uh, the game yesterday. Are you? I know. I feel like everyone's filled with cold at the moment. I'm a little bit filled with cold. So going straight in, guys, uh, the standout tie, it was the uh, FA Cup fifth round weekend. The standout tie was Chelsea hosting Arsenal at King's Meadow. Sophie Ingle opened the scoring on 21 minutes and then Sam Kerr shook off the jet lag after her long flight back from Australia to add a goal in the second half. Arsenal... Big game, another defeat. Uh, we actually talked a couple of podcasts ago. Should Arsenal sort of be worried, guys? The, the general consensus was not quite yet, but do you guys think they should be concerned? I don't I don't think so, personally. I think they're, they're maybe in a little bit of a blip, but, you know, as everybody knows, they've been hit with some injuries. So, yeah, I don't think it's panic stations quite yet. Sarah, do you think there's any concern there or...? Um, well, like Jay said, I wasn't concerned at first, but um, recent results um, have maybe shown that they well, they have hit a dip in form. Um, hopefully they can pull it back because I think the, uh, the title race this year is going to be more interesting uh, with Manu up there in the mix. Um, so, yeah, disappointing for them, obviously, to not get through to the next round of the FA Cup. Um, but Chelsea, Chelsea are on it at the moment, aren't they? They are. And, and looking at the strength of the benches as well, Jess Carter, Jesse Fleming, Menelie Lippoltz, just some of the names on Chelsea's bench. Arsenal's bench, however, was looking a little bit more inexperienced. Um, you can sort of see why Arsenal tried to strengthen the team in January. But do you think they should have tried a bit harder, maybe, guys? Yeah, I think so. I think they knew they they lacked a striker. I think from the very beginning, Blackstenius hasn't been in form. Um, and, and that's been, I mean, even more stood out in this game. She missed the sit to herself. Um, just doesn't look like she's full of confidence. The midfield isn't scoring enough goals. But I think they needed to go for somebody that probably wasn't Alessia Russo on the last day um, and then try and find somebody else as they did this time last year for Blackstenius herself. And they got her uh, in early. So yeah, I think... They needed a striker more than anything else. And I think that's compounding the the, the downfall and form that they've had so far. Yeah. And Sarah, I see you nodding down there. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think with me tomorrow, it's it is really difficult. And they're not they're not getting those goals that I think they used to see, unless they're playing Villa, of course. They always get the goals against us. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh striker was needed, maybe um they should have should have looked um, a bit earlier on in the window. Uh, but it's not easy. January transfer window isn't easy. Um, and I think it just goes to show that with the last ditch, last ditch effort for, for Russo, just, just proved that it was uh, probably desperate times. 
And Abdullah, going back to you, do you fancy Chelsea for the quadruple? I think Chelsea in Champions League, it's a tough nut to crack. Potentially Barcelona in a semi-final. And in yeah. just the small matter of Wolfsburg, if they do, if they do, if Wolfsburg do expect to win their side of the tie. So I can see them winning the domestic treble that I don't see as too much of a, a stretch for them. I think it's the elusive Champions League that they, that they need to have. But you know what? I think they're probably decently well-equipped if they can. I think once they play Leon, I think we have a better kind of sight of where they're at because I think if they can convincingly beat Leon, then it then I think Barcelona becomes a tough tie but it becomes a semi-achievable uh feat to to get through yeah and it was a month ago to the day that Manchester City actually went to Bristol City in the Conti Cup semi-final and won 6-0 and it was the same outcome but this time City won 8-1 Bunny Shaw got four Julie Blackstead two and goals from Philippa Angledal and Jemima Dehu completed the route Gracie Pierce scored the only goal for Bristol City on a difficult afternoon. Guys, does this sort of show just how big of a gap there is between the top of the championship and the top of the WSL? I think so. I think it um I think it highlights it probably better than anything. I think people would have expected Bristol to be a little bit more competitive. Um and I don't think it's helpful for the game to see these score lines, but I think it does it does show the wider footballing world that the WSL is stretching away from the championship and the championship have got, they've got to keep up with the pace that the game's moving at. And that's really difficult. Um, So yeah, I I thought I was surprised when I saw that result. I must admit, I'm not surprised that Man City won and it was convincing, but I'm surprised it was eight. Yeah. Because eight, you can sort of not deal with four or five, but eight, like you said, is, is quite a big, big score line uh to still be seeing so yeah I agree I think the uh, the gaps getting gaps a lot bigger than we maybe thought Abdul I can yeah. see gaps in your head yeah <laughs> I think um I think with the gap I think it's there needs to be a I mean I can I mean we've seen multiple heavy score lines over the last couple of years but I think we need to start I think we are seeing that maybe the championship and and the WSL itself is maybe starting to become incrementally smaller. The, the gap between, obviously, we've seen Liverpool come in. They won their opening game of the season against Chelsea after being promoted. So there are signs of life from from when, when people come up to the top tier, teams come up to the top tier. But I think beyond that, I think there's still a big gap that I don't exactly know, but maybe it comes down to infrastructure. Maybe it comes down to talent and quality of players and investment. But... I think if if that can probably get resolved a little bit better, then I'm not saying we're going to immediately stop seeing eight ones, but maybe that eight becomes a four. And then, you know, and then four eventually becomes a three. And like we see in, in the men's game, we're going to start seeing maybe some 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 more upsets than than they have been so far. Yeah. And I feel uh, Bunny Shaw, for example, has she's really found her feet. I mean, she's scoring for fun. She's joint top goal scorer alongside Rachel Daly in the WSL. Sarah, what's your sort of thoughts on her? Do you think she's been a great signing? I think, yeah, she has. I think the, the numbers speak for themselves, don't they? Um, I think maybe that's that's something that they may have been lacking, especially with the with the transition they've gone over the last couple of seasons. Um, I think she's come in and she's just hit the ground running um, this season. She's just been phenomenal. Um, and I think uh, it's really, really helped them um, to... Well, to kickstart their season after the, after the poor start. 
Yeah, and Aston Villa eventually got through, seeing off West Ham on penalties. We mentioned Rachel Daly. She added another to her tally as she opened the scoring 10 minutes into the second half. West Ham were pegged back in the second minute of injury time as Dagny Brignadottier grabbed an equaliser. Neither side could be separated in extra time and in the shootout, both sides missed one. Grace Fisk for West Ham and Jordan Nobbs for Villa, which meant it went to sudden death and in the end, both goalkeepers stepped up. Villa's Hannah Hampton stepped up and scored hers, which meant West Ham's goalkeeper Mackenzie Arnold had to score, which she couldn't, and Villa progressed. Sarah, it was an epic game, which eventually Villa prevailed in. What was your take on it? It was epic. It was windy. It was cold, but (laughs) it was highly entertaining. Um, Yeah, I think the way that West Ham set up, it made it really difficult for Villa's creative players to play. Um, So it, it it, it, it was kind of frustrating at times, but... From a neutral's perspective, I think it was was entertaining. Um, and then it was that combination of um, Dali and Daly again. Um, those two signings have just been absolutely phenomenal for Villa. Um, and it, yeah, it was it was a really good game. Um, frustrating that West Ham pegged one back, um, but I think at that point it was. Um, it needed another goal and we didn't quite know which way it was going to go. Uh, but then to go to extra time, um, it just, the crowd was brilliant as well. Um, and then the penalties, which just seemed to go on and on and on. Um, <laughs> but then then Hannah Hampton, uh, absolute bully. We've nicknamed her Hammer Hampton just for that, just for that penalty. Cause it was just, it's just so good. But Amazing. yeah, it was good for us and, and I do feel for West Ham I have to say yeah and Jay do you think there could be any dark horses this season for the cup um I mean obviously Chelsea will remain favourites I think for this one but yeah I think you know why couldn't Villa make the final would be my question right now I think they're in great form I think Carla Woods had a superb season so far and I think she's she's bought clever players that have gelled really quickly um and yeah Hannah Hampton's penalty yesterday was I saw it on Twitter actually last night um and I thought wow what a penalty so they seem to be in great form their team spirit seems to be right up there and yeah they they seem to be a club trying to do the right thing so I'd like I'd like Villa to sneak in and around there somewhere but you never know with with the likes of Chelsea around it was an incredible penalty. Um, another game that went the distance saw Reading knock out Spurs on penalties. The game finished nil-nil after 90 minutes and extra time and Reading prevailed 5-4 on penalties after Keris Harrop was the only player to miss in the shootout. Elsewhere, Manchester United brushed aside championship side Durham 5-0. United had only led 1-0 at half-time thanks to Vilda Bo Reese's goal on 42 minutes. Second half, United came on strong with goals from Leah Galton, Hannah Blundell, Alessia Russo and Nikita Paris. The game also saw Millie Turner reach 100 appearances for the Reds as well. Jay, it was such a strong side that Mark Skinner put out. Just shows how seriously he's taking this competition, surely. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I think, you know, knowing Durham as I do, they're a tough side. They would have been really up for that that game. So I think he had to go strong because he couldn't afford, I don't personally think, to be, to be knocked out by a championship side. I think, you know, if they are going to be knocked out, it's going to have to be by somebody that's in and around them in the WSL. So, yeah, I thought um, 
I thought he was he was clever with his selection and and obviously he got his his reward for that. And Abdullah, with no sort of European distractions for United, do you think they could lift the cup this year? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Chelsea's um, run of fixture in March, it's insane. I mean, if they're playing like United, City, Leon in between, like they've got these. It's not there's no let off. It's Brighton, Brighton in there as well. So. It's it's a, it's it. I think fatigue will play a part. I think of the Chelsea squad. I know that they've you know we talked about their their bench and and the amount of players that they have uh, that they can switch in and out, um, which I think will be important. But I think an injury here and there, and I think they suddenly stop prioritizing, you know, Champions League, WSL over um, over over the cup. So I mean, I I think I think United have the. Um, the ability, and I think they've got the squad just about to possibly challenge Chelsea. I think my gut feeling says I think Chelsea will switch, still be able to take it, but I think, yeah, by far, I think their toughest competition will probably be somewhere from United, considering the form that they've been in this year and, and the players that they have themselves. And another WSL versus the Championship battle saw the WSL side come out on top as Brighton beat Coventry 5-0. Again, this game was only 1-0 at half-time, Elizabeth Turland with the goal, but four second half goals saw the Seagulls progress. Brianna Vizali, whose only other goal this season came in the last round at West Brom, added a second and a double from League One Min, had them 4-0 up before an own goal from Fan Orthodoku left commentary praying for the final whistle. It was just, just two championship sides are left in the in the competition. Birmingham won 1-0 at Charlton with the winner coming in, in in extra time, thanks to Ashley Hodson. Lewis saw off the lowest-ranked side left in the competition in Cardiff, ladies 6-1. What a day it was for Ellie Mason as she bagged the opening four goals of the game for her side. Kenzie Weir and Axa Mushtag added further goals with Ingrid Ardland scoring for Cardiff. The win means Lewis reached the last eight for the first time in their history. Sarah, Lewis have been real trailblazers over the last few seasons in terms of equality. Isn't it just so nice to see them having success on the field as well? Yeah, definitely. I think they're a side to look up to, um, a, a club in general to look up to, to how they to to how they manage um, themselves and, and and go about their business um, because it's not just about the money um, as with with a lot of um, men's football um, and with the women's football as well. It, the, the equality between the two two teams it's like there's no there's no distinction almost um it's very much on an equal footing and there's a lot that other clubs can learn from them um so seeing them have their success on the pitch as well is is very pleasing and and it actually makes you kind of proud um from the point of view of, of, of you know being um being pro equality as everybody um should and hopefully are um so it's it is really good to see um and i do keep an eye on, on their results as well because nat haig um former villa player is assistant manager there so it's very pleasing to see to see them do well and jay what run it's been for cardiff they beat burnley in the last round and financially they've done well out of this year's competition haven't they they have yeah you know they they knocked us out um, and to be honest on the day though they, they were far better than us they deserved their their 4-1 four, four, victory and um 
yeah, they've. I mean, the day they beat us, they were they were celebrating the fact that they were going to go and buy every player a bench coat with their winnings, and you know that's what that's what the FA Cup's about for me. Seeing teams that you know probably maybe have financial difficulties, being able to reward the players for winning on the field, I think that's you know a really positive of the of the increase in the the prize money. It it enables clubs to give a little bit back to their players rather than that money just being absorbed into coach travel or overnight stays, you know, there is enough in there now for it to, to be split a little bit, a little bit differently for teams. So yeah, I did. Um, it was a shame yesterday for Cardiff, but, but like, like you said, Lewis are a great club and I obviously know Nat Haig as well, because I had her at Coventry and I'm, I'm really pleased when, when Lewis do well, because I'm, you know, that's her first sort of role in football. So I'm I'm always looking out for their results, but yeah, Charl- uh, uh, Cardiff. Sorry, were obviously the lowest ranked team in there, and it was a shame that they couldn't couldn't quite just get another win under their belt. Yeah, and it must be great for the sides down in the national league and below with the new sort of financial incentives on offer. I feel like it can really help the infrastructure of these clubs, sort of first and foremost. It's huge. I mean, last year we took Coventry United to the quarterfinals, and I think with last year's prize pot we earned something like six and a half thousand pounds, I think it was in the end, and we made the quarters. Whereas this year, you know, teams were making that really early on in the competition. So, like I said, it just, it allows teams to be financially secure in a little bit of a different way and not have that money absorbed by travel because, you know, that I'm that night, that, that Friday night that we went to Arsenal in the quarters last year with Coventry, most of that money went on getting the players there and getting the staff there. So, actually that evening cost us money and it you know the FA Cup isn't shouldn't be about that it should be about financial security for clubs particularly in those lower leagues that that do need that money and it is a real boost for them yeah and another big moment is the draw for the court finals which will actually be broadcast at 7 p.m on BBC one on the one show tonight Sarah that's obviously that's another big moment for the women's game isn't it yeah, definitely. Um, primetime television, BBC One. Um, there's going to be a lot of people watching it and hopefully it'll draw in some interest and, and some excitement around the fixtures. Um, just seeing some of the some of the teams that are still left that are left and in the in the part, it could be really exciting. Imagine if we had a Manchester Derby or a Birmingham Derby, um, even a London Derby, that'd be amazing. We'll all be watching there on the 19th of March. <laughs> But in the uh, championship, Crystal Palace moved to within a point of fourth, albeit having played a game more as they beat Sheffield United 2-1. Holly Olding opened the scoring for the Eagles before Rebecca Rayner equalised, but Coral Jade Haynes bagged the winner 10 minutes from time. Jay, um, Sheffield United have appointed Jonathan Morgan, someone who you know really well as you went in as his assistant at Burnley. Was it a bit of a shock when he left? Yeah, it sort of, you know, it came out of the blue, I guess. And it was, um, that deal was done really quickly between him and Sheffield and and he went with Burnley's blessing and I didn't obviously get to work with him for that long. Um, we sort of, you know, we knew each other from the touchline before we started working together. So, yeah, it was great to be able to work with him. And obviously he's gone at Sheffield and he's, he's got a real task on his hands there. And it's a, that was their game in hand yesterday on Coventry. And it was, I know he'll be disappointed that he didn't he didn't get something out of that game. Because mm-hmm. he has experience at championship level, having got Leicester obviously promoted, of course. So I'm sort of sure he can get Sheffield United moving again, short, like surely. 
Yeah, and I think that's why you know that's why they came after him. You know, he's, he's vastly experienced in the, in the championship. Obviously, he he made the WSL with Leicester, so yeah, he has got great experience. Um, but he doesn't have a lot of games to to put his stamp on things. You know, in the championship, the games come thick and fast, and by the time you know it, the season's done. So he's gonna have to he's going to have to win those head-to-head games with those teams that are in and around him at the moment. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll do that, but it, it, it isn't going to be easy because teams like Coventry are, they've turned a corner. They signed really well in January. So it's going to be a very, very interesting end to the, to the championship. Yeah. And uh, what you've been uh, waiting for, Jay, it was uh, the National League North. Jay Burnley's side weren't in action, but the top two were, and both won comfortably. Nottingham Forest won 3-0 at home to Huddersfield. Charlotte Steggles opened the scoring with Charlotte Greengrass's double in the second half, putting some gloss on the scoreline. Wolves won 6-0 away at Loughborough Lightning with six different scorers for them. Jay, obviously a really interesting division. Your third currently six points off top with two games in hand. So you must feel confident of coming on strong as the season comes to a close. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really pleased with with the position that we find ourselves in. Obviously, Wolves and Forest are top teams, and they're they're both playing good football and playing well and and winning their games when when we're not playing, which you know is exactly what they'll be wanting to do. So, you know, we obviously played Wednesday night and, and beat Files seven nil, which was a, a really good moment for us. But it's gonna it's gonna be um, again probably a bit like the, the bottom of the championship it's going to be who wins their heads to head at the top of that that northern and it's it's not going to be an easy running for anybody and you know i think stoke played wolves last wednesday and showed that we haven't just got to be looking at each other we've got to be looking at the rest of the league because you know they can halt your progress from winning the league so yeah it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting time other results in the North saw Brighouse beat Fylde 5-0 and West Brom beat Liverpool Feds 3-1. In the South, the top two, Portsmouth and Oxford, didn't play, but third place Watford failed to take advantage as they lost 1-0 at fourth place Ipswich. The goal means that the Tractor Girls move level on points with Watford now. Elsewhere in the South, a big win for Plymouth as they move two points clear of the drop zone thanks to an impressive 4-1 win over Cheltenham. London Bees drew 1-1 with 5th place Ricky and MK Doms move into 7th for 1-0 win away at Gillingham. Up in Scotland, Celtic won the Old Firm game against Rangers 3-0 on Friday night to initially go top on goal difference. Two Caitlin Hayes headers and an Amy Gallagher finish in between gave Fran Alonso's side the spoils. Glasgow retook top spot with an emphatic 7-0 win away at Aberdeen. Just behind Rangers and Celtic are Hart and Hibbs who drew 1-1 in the Edinburgh Derby. Michaela McCloney opened the scoring for Hibs at Tynecastle, but Georgia Hunter rescued a point for the Jam Tarts in the 89th minute. Abdullah, over in France, some big, big news broke this weekend as Wendy Raynard announced her international retirement, saying that she wanted to protect her mental health whilst also criticising the French Football Federation. What are your thoughts sort of on that? Can you sort of see... Can you see her have sort of like a way back? I mean, it's huge news, right? I think I think um, after everything that has been happening with Spain, with Chile, Japan, uh, obviously France are the next, you know, big federation to well for the players to come step out and 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 do something about it. I think we've seen Wendy Wendy Renard, we've seen Adiani, uh, I think Pearl Moroni, 
and uh, Katoto, all three, four of them have, um, you know, have decided to step away. And, you know, if if rumors are really believed as of, you know, a couple of hours ago, Diakre should be stepping down, Noel de Grat should be stepping down tomorrow. So if that is true, then I can obviously see a way back for them in and I think this time, I think the powers are more on the players. And if the new coach and a new president wants them to come back and be part of the, you know, the World Cup, I think they will need to make some significant changes in the infrastructure, in the in the, in the coaching staff, and the way they do things over there. Um, because it's not like you're sidelining, you know, two, three average players. You're sidelining, you know, your your captain, you know, 140 plus caps. You're sidelining one of your best goal scorers. And and you're sign and and more importantly, I think you're sidelining probably three or four hugely influential players who I think with four of them leaving, the others will will start to to have a rethink of their of their futures with the national team. So, and I think I think so close to a World Cup, there's still time to salvage it. So I think for the federation will want to 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 make things right so that these you know three four players can come back. And I'm sure Reina features heavily in your book, which actually comes out in June. Just tell us a bit more about that. So yeah, no. Um, obviously, that was um, that was obviously my Leon book. I think, and in June, in 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 a couple of months, I should be having my 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 third book on the lionesses. They there that that's coming out in a couple of months, where I kind of covered the uh, the Euro, the win that they had at the Euros last year, and kind of what it, what it looks like for the World Cup coming up in the summer. So you know, it talks about the squad that won last year. Pick up some the nuances from the other teams you know, France included and kind of how, you know, England have played against them and what can we expect tactically going forward in the next couple of months. So I'm hoping it'll be a, a good tournament and, and and if England do well, then, you know, the, the better. And uh, quickly looking at Ligue 1, Abdullah, both PSG and Lyon were in action on Sunday and both won. Paris FC are in third. Can they sort of realistically capitalise in the unlikely that one of the top two slip up? Hey. It's interesting because I really like Paris FC. I think I think they're a good squad. I think they've got a good set of players, and being third, I think just shows the consistency that they have um, over there. PSG are are are, um, are a weird side. I think they have they've got good quality. I just I just they just haven't been um, as consistent as I've been, in. and I think after the kind of the odd start that um that that Leon have had I, I think I think these two teams in general are just uh, are just really really good um it's it's tough because you look at the last five matches Leon have won the last five PSG have had two losses two wins and a draw Paris FC have actually done a little bit better they've got three three wins a loss and a draw so that consists I mean if you look at Fleury 91 and fourth they've got four wins and a loss in the last five so I don't think Leon will let go. I think the only way Leon drop points is if they play PSG in Paris. And I think they, I mean, like last month they beat Paris and you know, they'll have to play PSG in a couple in, in towards the end of the season. So I think the only way I see Leon dropping points is to PSG. I think realistically for Paris, it's if they want anything, they'll probably have to, they'll try and get second and beat PSG for that Champions League automatic spot. So yeah, but it's, 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 a, it's getting tighter year on year in the top three, four teams. And some other news, former Nike director Nikki Doucet has been appointed by the FA as a consultant regarding the future direction of the WSL and the Women's Championships for the next few months. It was revealed by the Telegraph's Tom Gary as the two divisions move closer to being run by a standalone company. Sarah, Jay, what do you sort of make of the news, first as a fan and then Jay as a manager? Uh, from a fan's perspective, I think um, 
I think it will be quite good. Um, just for on the basis that I think having the FA run it can be, I don't want to say conflict of interest per se, um, but there, are, there have been some difficulties. Um, and I think the, there, there is um, dialogue between the, the Football uh, Supporters Association and the FA, but I think having um, an independent company running it might help um, help with making some of those decisions and some of those changes that the FA haven't been able to do. Um, so from that perspective, I think it, it, it could be good and more competitive, and I think it will bring in a lot more um, money commercially as well. Um, so hopefully um, it will be good and we'll see those changes. Yeah, I think for me, it's anything that makes the WSL and the Championship sustainable and commercially viable, I think is a huge plus for women's football. And I guess the FA being able to step away and oversee it as an independent body, I think is also a positive thing it would just worry me that if they're going to step away, what happens to that little bit of financial security that they offer to clubs? Where, where does that go? Who picks that up? Um, but yeah, you know, the more eyes on both of those, uh, those leagues, the better and, and companies that are coming in and, you know, big companies that want to be involved, we would be silly, I think, to, to be turning that down. Yeah, no, I mean, I, th I think, I think it's, it's good. I think at the end of the day, I think is as long as there's progress and um, there's a proper infrastructure in place. I think the fact that this this hire has been done, I, I think just just to me shows that at least there is some there is some insight and there is some care looking towards it, and that the fact that they are looking at bringing in you know these sort of names and you know bringing them together to try and make the product better, um, I think just shows that there is. Because they won't do this if they don't see any any sort of return on investment, you know, per se. Uh, and if you if you are seeing some return on investment, which means there is something out there for them to improve. And overall, I think we we all get a better product that affects us as both fans, uh, you know, fans, staff, and and probably in the media as well. So I think it's uh, yeah. But overall, I think it's a good thing. Thank you. And that's it, guys. It was a nice, quick little rundown on the podcast today. Um, thank you all for joining me. It's uh, been a pleasure. Sarah J. Abdullah, thank you so much. Thank and you. Uh, thank you. To all the listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms and make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram, it's the Women's Football Podcast. Have a great week, everyone, and we shall speak to you all soon.